Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Happy Game Day, Cougar Nation. It's a big one tonight at the Huntsman Center here in Salt Lake City. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte, we're getting you ready for BYU and Utah. Man, you know, this is a big game tonight, and it feels good that the basketball edition of the rivalry is taking on a greater stage, and it, it kind of sets the the table for the Big 12 era, which I think will kick it into even higher gear, having BYU and Utah back in the same league again. And a guy that knows this rivalry and BYU basketball inside and out is our friend Mark Durant. He joins us now. He's part of the BYU Sports Network call that you will hear tonight here on KSL News Radio. Mark, how are you feeling about this game today, man? <laughs> well, good to, good to be on with you guys. I, you know, I I'm excited about it, but it also gives me a lot of anxiety. That that just goes back to my unresolved issues as a child growing up in Salt Lake City and uh, <clears throat> getting persecuted uh, by Ute fans. My, you know, <laughs> small child <laughs> watching my brother Devin play against. Chambers and Vrains and Mannion and Hendricks and those guys. And so ever since I can remember, this has been a big deal and uh, a lot of, a lot of great memories, a lot of tough memories, uh, but uh, I've, I've seen a lot of games in the Huntsman center and no matter how good uh, BYU is, it, it always seems to be a, a battle and as it should be, but it, it gives me a lot of anxiety, but I think it's awesome. One of the guys that eased anxiety back in the day was Jimmer Fredette. we, we got to play this clip, Matt. Let's run this. 50-42, to 42, BYU by 8 into Jimmer with 4 and with 3 and with 2. Jimmer from 40 feet. Got it! He got it! Oh! Maybe the greatest half of basketball ever for Mark, BYU. Mark, was that, is that still the greatest half that you've ever seen up in the Huntsman Center from Jimmer back in 2011? <laughs> Yes, no question, no question. It was already a, a great half. I mean, he had just dominated and was doing it, doing Jimmer t- type stuff. But to have him put the exclamation point with that half quarter, that was that was pretty awesome. And a lot of BYU fans were there. And and like like I think now, I think there was a lot of excitement for that team a lot because of Jimmer. But they were really good, you know, you know, as a team and one of the best ever at BYU. And I, I think people are excited about this team. There's no kind of marquee Jimmer type player, but there's so many really good players and, and a lot of depth and uh, they're playing great basketball. It's fun, exciting basketball. So uh, like, like back then uh, fans were pretty excited about BYU hoops. And I think we're seeing that again this year with the great start they've had. This team is ranked top 10 in so many statistical categories it's hard to just pick out one as to why they're having so much success but if you had to what statistical category has impressed you the most from this team well it's got to be the three-point shooting I mean that's why you're seeing these enormous victories and it's such an offensive juggernaut they've put together and uh, it's a really kind of a radical approach Uh, I think Mark Pope has said what what do I need to do to 
to compete against really good teams in the Big 12? How do we need to change and what can we emphasize to really be able to compete? And when he has looked at that lineup and I think saw so many good shooters uh, and decided to really focus on shooting a lot of threes, and it's not just about shooting a lot of threes. Anybody can shoot a lot of threes, you know, uh, and – uh, it's about making them, and this team has been really, really good at it. And they're they're making more threes than anybody in the country, and playing really good three point defense. And when you're limiting other teams' threes, and you're making a lot of threes, the math is on your side. Trust me on this, guys. <laughs> and they have just been kicking kicking people's butts so far. That that's part of the deal. Is it's not that they're just winning games; it's the manner in which they're doing it. They're just absolutely dominating, and that starts with the great shooting from the three-point line. And the, the, the question then comes, well, can you keep that up? Can you keep making double-digit three-pointers a game? And uh, I think this team can. I mean, there may be some down games. And that down game may be tonight. I mean, I've, I've, I've taken a lot of good teams in the Huntsman Center, and, and you know, it, it's a different feel. Weird things happen. It's that in-state rivalry. So it may be tough for BYU to, to continue what they have been doing tonight. But But – Overall, I think it's a great approach given BYU's uh, strengths and will be the type of game that will keep them in games and will have them be successful in the Big 12 when they're, where there's so many good teams. Mark Durant's our guest. He will be on the call tonight. 5 o'clock tip inside the Huntsman Center with Greg Rubel for BYU and Utah here on KSL. And i, I got to say, Mark, it's been fun, this, this climb for BYU, because the expectations were so low. I mean, you probably have to go back – to the first year of Coach Cleave to kind of like point to the like as low of expectations because no one was believing this team had anything in them. They just thought, oh, they're going to get smacked around in the Big 12. They could barely win in the WCC. How fun has it been from that dynamic to, with this team just exceeding everyone's expectations and having this hot start? Yeah, it's been pretty remarkable to see the, the meteoric rise of BYU because of, of the kind of perception before the season started. It's only been a few weeks, and now you're looking at, you know, a possible top 10 team if they can win tonight and keep winning in preseason. And uh, that, that that's pretty amazing. But, again, it's part of, the, part of the attention and part of the reason BYU is climbing so fast is how they're beating teams and, and dominating teams. But I – you know, I, I, it wasn't to this extent, but my freshman year, we were picked to finish at the bottom of the conference, and uh, and I think we took that personal, and and we had some really good players like Andy Toulson and Marty Haas, and and we all came together as a team and and got some confidence, and we ended up winning the conference that year. And I, I think this team maybe was a little bit slighted. You know, people were kind of down on them for last year, and 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 maybe rightly so. I mean, they finished you know, toward the middle of the, of the West Coast Conference. That's not great, but they also had a lot of games that they were against, you know, Gonzaga and St. Mary's lost on last second shots at home and were ahead late in those games on the road against those two really good teams. And so you could see a lot of where BYU had some some talent, just hadn't put it together yet. Now, now with a year uh, behind us and guys got better, guys off their mission and are now, you know, more consistent and solid and They've, they've really come together as a team. You see it. They, they know each other. They've played together for a while now, which is unusual in college basketball. They're taking care of the basketball. They're sharing it. Very unselfish, playing really good defense, rebounding the heck out of the ball. I mean, I go down the list. I, I cannot find any weaknesses for this team. 
Uh, I'm sure Utah is doing their best to find that, to try and exploit that tonight. But so far, we've we've just seen good things from this group. And that's uh, a credit to them uh, sticking together and, and getting better over the summer. And, and we're seeing the fruits of that. Something I love about this game, Mark, is it breeds unusual heroes. Uh, I just think like last year, Rudy Williams burst on to the scene and, and let BYU to win. Peyton Dastrup's a guy in previous years. Yep, and, yep. Even going back to the gym, there was the year where Mike Lloyd was the hero. And so there's it's something I love about that game is you never know who's going to step up. Who's someone on this BYU team that you think could play a pivotal role tonight? Well, that's the great thing uh, is that, you know, in that Jimmer game, you knew Jimmer was going to be the guy. Um, uh, but tonight it could be eight different guys could get 20 plus points tonight. Really? I mean, I have no idea who's going to be the guy. Um, Spencer Johnson obviously has been playing great senior kind of super, you know, kind of an old sage on the court now just knows what to do now on the floor. Obviously Jackson Robinson has been phenomenal and could get hot and could just go off on, Utah tonight, but it really could be. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Noah Waterman, Ali Khalifa, Dallin Hall, even Richie Saunders, uh, Trevin Nell. I mean, that that's the great thing about this team is they have so many weapons, and there's the the bench play. They're averaging about 40 points off the bench, so you can't rest when when the second unit comes on. It, it may be even worse for you if you're playing BYU, and and, and so. Uh, that that's the great thing is that if someone did get 20, it really wouldn't be a surprise for me. Um, may, maybe if uh, uh, if Triple comes in and gets 30, that would be a surprise. Otherwise, I think <laughs> I, I think it, you know anybody could step up and and it'll likely be three or four guys. And uh, listen, they always played great, but they're going to have to bring their their A game against Utah. Utah's big. Uh, they're at home. And and I can't imagine anybody wanting to spoil all these good things we're talking about that are happening for BYU than Utah. I know if it was happening for them, I would want to spoil it. And so BYU's got to be ready to go tonight as well as they're playing. They're going to have to play one of their best games. You bring up Utah and this BYU-Utah rivalry. I think I love this game and watching. I'm excited for the Big 12 era, even though you know, I think there's it was fair for Cougar fans to want to say, We don't want Utah, we don't want them in the league, this is our deal, like you stay in the pack, whatever. But now that it's going to be here, I think I'm excited for it. I'm just curious, Mark, you, you've experienced this rivalry for so many years. Like, why do you feel like the basketball edition of the rivalry doesn't take as big of a platform as football? Because we heard so much about you know, Utah's got nine in a row in football, like that streak was talked about all the time. BYU quietly has won the last three, and they've won a lot of the games in the last decade against Utah, but it doesn't seem to get the run like you know the football streaks seem to. Why do you think that is, you think? Yeah, well, like I said, when I was growing up, it was a big deal, uh, and the teams were very good. Um, obviously, when late 90s with Majerus and that group that went to the finals, yeah. uh, it was a big deal then. But I, I think part of the problem is since about – you know, early 2000s at, at BYU was either really bad and Utah was good or Utah hasn't been good and BYU has been good. And so the games haven't been particularly competitive or the, 
you know, a fan base, if their team's not doing well, may, may, maybe not so supportive. And, and when your football team's doing good, like Utah has done, the attention goes to, to football. Um, so, and football's always been the big driver, but uh, I like it. My, my favorite is when both teams are good. And, and I think in the Big 12 going forward, uh, that, that both teams will go, be good. And then you'll have, you'll have the multiple games every year, home and away. And, and that will help, uh, I think, to kind of rekindle the rivalry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it certainly had a drop off. And uh, in that Jimmer game, I remember Utah wasn't very good. And, you know, there were probably more BYU fans than Utah fans, a lot of empty seats, which was just amazing to me. But growing up, it was just always packed. And so it's such a big game. But, you know, I, I think it can get there again, if both teams start playing well, and, and you're playing multiple times in the in conference play, and the rivalry will mean a little bit more. I, I think we'll see that again in the future. He's Mark Durant. We're looking forward to your call. Thanks for stopping by and uh, breaking this game down. Should be a fun one tonight, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Mitch, Matt, you guys are the best. And uh, go Cougars. Uh, Let's go get one tonight. This will be a fun one. It is going to be a fun one. Tip-off tonight at 5 o'clock, and Mark will be on the call with Greg Rubel inside the Huntsman Center here on KSL. Taking a break, we will get into this BYU-Utah game more. And also... Former BYU head coach has got a new landing spot. We'll talk about that next here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday. Bronco Mendenhall, Matt. He's got a new job. That was a surprise to me. He's going to New Mexico. He's the new head coach of the Lobos. Started there. Got his. Uh, I mean, that's really where he cut his teeth in the coaching world at New Mexico, and now he's back. And and I just felt like New Mexico, that's one of the worst Mountain West football programs. For a guy who was at Virginia, he coached in an Orange Bowl, Mitch, not that long ago. He left Virginia on his own accord. He was not pushed out. Two years later, he wants back in, and New Mexico is the spot? Like, to me, this is the only way I can read it. This had to have been the only real opportunity that he had. I, I just can't understand. I can understand why he took the job. Because if you want to get back in, and this is all you got, and you got connections there, you can talk yourself into it. But they are so bad. They have horrible facilities. They have no NIL. They, how? If he if he resurrects the Lobos, and let's say 8-4 and four would just be like, I don't know, party in the streets in Albuquerque he's probably going somewhere big again because someone would take him but I just cannot believe getting back into college football this was the place I'm actually to me it like makes sense perfectly for him because Broncos always said that college football coaching is about being a teacher yep he's gonna be a teacher here like you're gonna develop you you don't have the pressures of landing the five-star high school kid that and you, that needs to say, "Hey, we'll get you seven hundred fifty thousand. Like he doesn't have to have that conversation no. at all, really, on the recruiting trail. Because New Mexico, you're not entertaining that world. You're getting kids that are going to be like beyond blessed to get this my first FBS offer to the University of New Mexico. And I feel like his style of coaching, where you're going to get on a horse, you're going to show if you can ride the horse, like. There's there's certain nuances to Bronco that are just so different than today's college football. It works. Like, what he does, he builds programs. And he loves inheriting a downtrodden program yep. that can be built up. He did it He's at BYU. He's like I was as a teenager in NCAA football. <laughs> exactly. And 
and look, I think Holly Mendenhall too. She's a huge football person. I think they, but they, they're also recreational people. There's like, I, there, there's certain things like if you look at that coaching career arc and his resume, you go, no coach has taken this. No, but I think like this place aligns to me. It makes sense in my head for Bronco, and he doesn't have. He can kind of be distanced from the whole NIL portal stuff. He's still going to dip into that, but like you're not going to have to be paying guys a premium and. If you win the Mountain West, you might have a legit shot at going to the playoff, maybe. Because that league is still one of the better G5s. True. And that's it's far-fetched to think New Mexico winning anything. But Francione back in the day did it. Rocky Long for a moment did it. I mean, Bronco, some of his best wins were against Rocky Long teams when he was the BYU head coach. I think he's going to win there. I think he's going to do well. If he wins there, he'll be sought after for a bigger role. Whether or not, yeah. he, whether or not he wants to do it, because everything you said, that remains to be seen. But... Very, I just felt like, why didn't like a Duke or a Northwestern go after? To me, that would have made Stanford even, you know, like I don't, maybe not so Stanford. Oh, Stanford I was gonna say, like, it. let's be honest, like, would they ever stomach hiring an LDS person? No, probably not, probably not. Yeah. But there's a lot of those schools out there that still put acad- academia at a premium, yeah. And maybe he ends up there to finish it out. Who knows? Could be. We'll, we'll see, but. I like having him back in the sport. I do. Yeah. I like Bronco. It was good to hear from him. He, he had this uh, his introductory comment, comments down in Albuquerque. First of all, so Holly and I, 25 years ago, gosh, I'm looking at the players right now, and man, just a little bit older than you guys. Our first son was born here, and this was one of the places we launched our career. And who would have known 17 years later as a head coach, that we'd be back in Albuquerque, and it's it's a it's an amazing experience, and I'm grateful. He's back. I, I remember when Cutter Breaker and Raider, his sons, were just like kids. You know, like it is yep. just weird to think they're now like adults. One's totally. uh, one's a senior at BYU, uh, wearing red though to the introductory press conference made a lot of sense for Holly. Now, yeah, she did at BYU is like eh, don't do that. New Mexico made a lot more sense. All right, got to take a break. News, traffic, and weather coming your way. Top five basketball edition on the other side. Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete another touchdown. Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Oh, oh man. Cougar Sports Saturday here on KSL News Radio. Sorry. Uh, Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. We have a good time during the break. So we should have a contest sometime where fans can can win to just hang with us for three hours. <laughs> we should also get to our next contest, the top five. The Cougar Sports Saturday Top 5, sponsored by Economics Partners. Mitch and Matt clash in a weekly battle of BYU sports knowledge. Here's the Top 5. I love this segment usually, but with producer Nate Slack getting back from a Royal Caribbean cruise, which by the way, I don't know I don't know if it's the weather or what, but I feel like too many people around me are going on cruises, and I got to get on one. Yeah. I'm like... I need. Have you been on a cruise? Never in my life. You'll never want to do anything else. I'm kind of afraid. 
what's there to be afraid about? Mentally, I can't handle the idea of sleeping in a room that's underwater. Not all of them are underwater. You don't. You don't have to. In I, fact, a lot of them aren't underwater. I wouldn't want to sleep underwater myself. So I would. I just need a window. I need a view of some industrial like area, like in some middle hey. Big Twelve town. Like that's what I need, Matt. That's how I travel. How does this sound, Mitch? Unlimited food and drink. Sounds amazing. That's what a cruise my, is. My wife, believe me, my wife wants to go on a cruise. I keep telling her I'm the one. Like I don't. I don't. You know need if I can do to it. go. I'll do any. I'll I'll do whatever it takes to get you on a cruise. It's Disney cruise is that the route? Is I mean that's expensive though. I don't think so for you because I think your kids are exiting the Disney fanatic phase. Right? Yeah. They're into sports. They play a lot of sports now. I, I don't think they're, it's they're worth still it. loving it. They're still loving it. I mean, January's coming up. We're doing the Disney trip again. Disneyland, Disneyland and Disney Cruise are very different. Okay. I think That's I think for you, just go dip your toes in with a little three-day uh, Caribbean cruise. There's a water park you can go to. I think you'd have okay. a good time. Okay. Anyways, the reason I say this is because producer Nate Slack, the host of this top five competitive game show, is uh, just barely recalibrating his uh, land legs after being on the water for a week. So he's not here. So we thought we'll do a top five without him. It's not going to be the competitive back and forth, but in honor of the rivalry basketball game coming up tonight, 5 p.m. right here on KSL News Radio, we do our top five moments from the rivalry, of course, favoring BYU because, you know, this is Cougar Sports Saturday. Don't need to give any uh, (laughs) positive publicity to the team right up the street. So we both have separate lists of top five, and let's just kind of go back and forth. I'll start things off. Number five for me, in 1991, they beat number eight Utah to win the WAC tournament title game. I thought that was significant. Now, it's a little lower for me because it was so low scoring. It it must not have been a fun game to watch, 51-49. But anytime you upset a top 10 Utah, I'm going to put that in there, number five. We'll have to put these lists... Maybe on social media and let people vote who had the best. I like list. that. We'll have to decide on that. Number five for me, BYU in 2000. They end the 12-game losing streak to Utah with a win in the 2000 Mountain West Conference Tournament to advance to the championship round. They eventually lost to UNLV, but to kind of get that breakthrough, it was a, it was a big win for Steve Cleveland. And you think about that program when he inherited BYU hoops, it was rock bottom, 1-25, and it was just – kind of brick by brick, build it up. And that was, yes, this is really working here. Got the breakthrough win against the Utes and do it in Vegas. That was a that was a good one in two. I have that at number two for, for me. I just, everything that you said, you snap a 12-game losing streak. And that, it kind of feels like, is that the moment that maybe you can point to where BYU is, that was the beginning of the ascent? Because they haven't fallen back since then. They've had some down years, don't get me wrong, but nothing like where they, where they were at before 2000. So, I put that at number two. Number four for me, the Yoli Childs dunk back in 2018. I had a phenomenal view for that play. I was sitting right in front of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints prophet, President Nelson. I literally was like three rows in front of him. Tom Holman was behind me. I had great seats, thanks to my wife. And when he threw that dunk down, that was that's one of the great dunks in the history of BYU basketball. Yo penetrate the baseline, get to Yo. Yo drives to the oh, rim. Oh, man alive! Cocks the hammer and throws it down with the right hand, leaning back. 
The Mercy. Lock and the finish. Wow. That's an all-timer in the rivalry. Wow. Definitely an all-timer. I just couldn't put it higher than four because why the crap was that game ever played at a neutral site? It just the, – the vibe, the energy wasn't as high as it should have been, but uh, the singular moment was spectacular. Number four for me, I went back to 1981. BYU clinches an NCAA tournament bid by knocking off number nine Utah. Danny Ainge scored 35 points on senior day. Remember, this was before – the three-point line. So he's dropping a 35-piece with no three-point line. This was Frank Arnold and Danny Ainge after that win. I think that's major college basketball at its best. Two fine basketball teams, a great ball game, and a great crowd. It feels great. You know, I think we played a really good game. We played good team ball. Uh, everybody participated tonight at one end of the court or another, and, and this feels really good. I hear those sound bites, and I, in the moment, if I was, you know, watching that, I would have thought, that's nah, not a groundbreaking sound bite. But you put it now 42 years later, you go, oh, that's so cool. Hearing Danny Ainge, like he has the same voice, and, and head coach Frank Arnold, uh, you know, big win for BYU taking down number nine Utah on senior day. And that was a team that eventually got to the Elite Eight because uh, limited spots in the NCAA back then, and and you got to off to the Elite Eight run in 81. Your number three is uh, much better than my number three. I'm embarrassed to even admit this on the air because then there will be a record. But I had, I had Matt Carlino's great performance back in 2012. It's a good I, one. I, I just thought, you know, that was a – that was Carlino. You have to remember too was coming off of the Jimmer hype train, and you really wanted him to be Jimmer. He never quite did, but he was a lot better than I think BYU fans would ad- sure. would admit. And that was that's just I don't know. It just felt like at the time BYU basketball they were coming off of the Jimmer years. What was going to be the next iteration? And for him to have that type of performance against Utah, it felt. Big at the time. It's obviously not as big as your number three. I think your number three is much more appropriate. Well, I like your Carlino pick. The only reason I didn't didn't put it in my top five was because that game, BYU was a big favorite, and they squeaked by. Because Utah, the year prior— He saved them in that game. Utah, the year prior, was a six-win team. And it felt like, oh, in year two of Larry Kruskoviak, they've already closed the gap on a BYU program that was just in the Sweet 16 two years ago. And you're thinking, what? How did this happen? This is in the Marriott Center. That, but yes, I I do I love that pick though. As far as like Carlino was great in that game. Number three, I went with the one that you went out number five, uh, nineteen ninety one WAC tournament. It was in Laramie, and remember, back then, so the WAC tournament when you play in Laramie, you do not have the support on your side. It's not a neutral court. It's basically a road game with all the Wyoming fans and Ute fans that were in attendance cheering against BYU. And Nate Call hits two free throws in overtime to give BYU the win. And then Utah's Tyrone Tate misses the most wide-open layup of all time. Somehow, Ute luck does not happen here. And they miss it. BYU wins a WAC tournament. Like, BYU just doesn't win brackets, period. And to anytime you win a bracket of any kind for BYU basketball, it's a big deal. And then to do it against Utah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. My uh, my number two, you, you already touched on this one, but that ending the, the losing streak. Yep. So... That that 1991 game was my number four. That 2001, I just think it had huge significance historically. Number two, I went also with the Yoli dunk. We already played the clip, but like you, I had a good vantage point of that. I I now I didn't realize this. We just are talking this on the air. Uh, I probably was up uh, like 
20 rows from you uh, in that same section uh, in the media okay. part. And I was right behind former KSL host, now current voice of the youth, Bill Riley. I was right behind him on his broadcast. And even he was like, whoa, like that was one heck of a dunk. Like it was just one of those moments where you go, that was an amazing play. Like it's just, it, it, and the thing is, Yoli kind of had a, a little bit of an axe with Utah because they never offered him out of high school. And there was just always this feeling of like, I'm going to show you. And he was outstanding in that game. I think what he had like 31 in yeah, that he game. He was amazing. That was, that was awesome. Yoli was spectacular. And it's just a shame that that guy's legendary status never got catapulted in March. He never got an NCAA tournament. And it's just, it's hard to. Where does that rank? I mean, we haven't played this game in a while, but just quickly, the travesties of BYU sports. <laughs> where does that team not playing in the tournament rank? Oh, it's 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 up there, man. I mean, the the pandemic wiped away. You can you can argue that the what if game makes it even more enjoyable because then you could say, oh, they would have went to the final four. Like even John Rothstein a few weeks ago said that team would went to the final four. I mean, instead of avoiding avoiding maybe heartbreak and getting a five seed and then losing to a twelve, like I don't think they yeah. would have. But you they know, did lose to St. Mary's right before the pandemic struck, though, and that was kind of like a Are you serious? <laughs> and Barcelona had the broken wrist, yep. and you don't know what would have happened in March. So it's kind of the the what if game almost helps their kind of legendary status in a way. But I, I I do think Yoli would have delivered in March. I mean, that guy was just kind of on a. He was just outstanding, and he was so good. And that team was, like this one tonight that we're going to see against Utah, so connected. And, you know, that that clearly is a, a common theme with great BYU teams. Number one. Number one, we probably don't even need to intro it. 50-42, to 42, BYU by eight into Jimmer with four and with three and with two. Jimmer from 40 feet. Go! half of basketball ever for a BYU player. And maybe the greatest laugh of all time on a BYU broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how Greg sounds at Disneyland? It's got to be, right? We should ask him. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That was one of my favorite moments as a college basketball fan. We both attended that game as fans back then. That was spectacular. I actually love the Huntsman Center. I don't know if it's my Laker-loving ways, but I just feel this mystique. It feels historic. It feels magical walking into the Huntsman Center. I love going to that venue. I'm excited to be there tonight. And for Jimmer to have done that, he launched Jimmer Mania that night. It was. Yes. It just went to another stratosphere after that performance well, I, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like that again. It, for To be against Utah on the road, to play like that, to make that shot, it was spectacular. And it was at the kind of the crossroads of traditional media still taking like the dominant space, but new media was kind of inserting itself into the conversation. And it was like this this crossroads between the two, and it was just remarkable. And it was just... The name is catchy, Jimmer. Like, everyone loves saying Jimmer. And then he's just shooting it from the parking lot. And you're right. That's when Jimmer Mania took off. He had games as a junior where he puts up, what, 49? Or what was it, 40? It was 49, Arizona. Arizona, yes, in Tucson. That was amazing. I think that's one of the greatest Jimmer games that I've ever watched. I mean, he was incredible in that one. But Jimmer Mania on a national scale took off after that half-court shot. 
and his dominance against Utah. I remember, though, in that second half, I was kind of bothered because I remember BYU just ballooned this huge lead. I think it was like 35. And then in the course of like three minutes, Jimmer had to come back in because they, they gave up like a 12-0 run. And Rose is like, all right, Jimmer, go back in and get us another well, couple points. I'm like, come on, there's that team no had, depth on this yeah, team. Yeah, that team had no depth, and we saw it in the tournament. <laughs> this The team tonight has lots of depth. Yes. So that's not a concern. Uh, but Jimmer was, I mean, he's legendary. I, I still give the edge to Danny Ainge as the greatest ever. But, again, Jimmer's greatness kind of ties with uh, – just that the, the, those different media entities kind of coming together. Because you think about that 81 Danny Ainge game, there's not much visual evidence of that. Like, it doesn't, when I talk about that game, it's more of a kind of radio memory for fans that watched it or they were in attendance. It wasn't like a TV, like basketball, BYU hoops was not always on TV back then. Like, so there's just not much outside of him going coast to coast against Notre Dame. There's not many visual memories that just instantly pop up of Danny Ainge, unless you lived it. And that's where I think sometimes like the, the storied nature of this rivalry doesn't take on as big of a platform as football because football, like everything has been visually, like you see it, you live it. Like the, that turf at Rice Stadium in 84 where BYU's going to the national title or, or you're like the, the great moments that they've had against the Utes. It's all been there visually. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see the, the next era of this rivalry in the Big 12. And I hope that it takes on a greater national profile because like Utah and BYU both, unlike football, like Utah basketball's got great history. BYU basketball's got great history. These are two of the 15 winningest programs in college basketball. And I don't think people on a national scale understand that unless you live it. So hopefully in the Big 12 that kind of gets captured and this takes on a bigger platform than ever before. All right, we'll take the break. Uh, on the other side, let's dip back into BYU football and update you on what's happening in the portal. Back after this. Christmas time is here. Portal time is here as well. It's Mitch's favorite time of the year. I secretly kind of hate this time of year for college football. And it's getting more annoying. Like, to see... Dylan Gabriel and Kyle McCord leave their teams. It was like, what is happening? Kyle McCord, for heaven's sakes, was the quarterback of Ohio State. That's like a that's a coveted spot. And he's I, I don't know where he's going. He may come back. I don't know. Dylan Gabriel's off to Oregon. So it's crazy. It's just, and it's getting crazier. But, you know, this isn't the time to bemoan what should be or shouldn't be in the portal. Let's talk. Brass tax, Mitch. What is going on in the portal for BYU? Not much activity as far as entries into the portal. And honestly, that's probably a win. Yeah. To get through the first week and to not have a mass exodus. Huge. Speaks to a lot of guys want to be part of this and, and grind and, and work. Also speaks to that these guys have four-year scholarships now. Where year before in the independence, it was year by year. And BYU couldn't flat out just cut a guy, but it was like, this is where it kind of stands. Guy could get told he's four string going forward. And it's like, it, okay, free fine, I'm staying here. I'm, I'm, I'm at a Big Twelve team. I'm like, I'm staying. And BYU's education is top notch, right? Too. So th- there's there's two sides to you know all that, but you know I think it is a good sign for a, a program that struggled a lot this year that you're not losing many guys. The guys you've lost so far, Miles Davis, John Henry Daly, Michael Daly. 
Soljay Mayava Peters, and Austin Riggs. The uh, daily ones hurt because yes. potential, potential, and they were fairly highly recruited local kids. Miles Davis, if I knew him as a friend, I would have told him get out of town, yeah. go go get some playing time somewhere else. Same with Soul J. Austin Riggs, kind of an interesting one, but you know he's a long snapper, so you can find another one. And you know it, it opens the door for his brother to step in, and it, you almost wonder if that was part of it. Like, hey, I'm going to try to go get some experience maybe in an SEC Big Ten school let little bro Dalton Riggs who's a good long snapper too step in and get his shine yeah it, it really could be kind of a situation like that because the Riggs family love BYU they do and I mean the dad was on nearly every flight I was on this year and and he he loves Cougar football like they're they are a BYU family through and through it just might be hey like Let's let little bro step in, get his time, and yep. and I get a chance to have one more year, maybe have a, a new experience at another place in another part of the country. As a, as a young person, like how can you not, uh, you know, like if you're a young college student, how can you not knock knock that? I mean, he's going to go to grad school too. Like that's cool. Yep. Yep. You can't fault that. So BYU, though, I think all things positive. Now commitment wise, still only one commit: Sam Sam Vanderhaar, the punter from Pitt, but uh, that should be changing soon as BYU looks to try to piece together its portal class. We're taking a break. More on BYU-Utah basketball. Jackson Robinson, star player for BYU, the leading scorer. You'll hear his comments as Cougs get ready to take on Utah next.